0: I forgot to tell you what the next chapter was last night, but today's chapter is called Birthday. Next morning, while Almanzo was eating his oatmeal, father said this was his birthday. Almanzo had forgotten it. He was nine years old that cold winter morning. There's something for you in the woodshed, father said. Almanzo wanted to see it right away, but mother said if he did not eat his breakfast, he was sick. And he must take medicine. Then he ate as fast as he could and said, and she said, Don't take such big mouthfuls. Mothers always fuss about the way you eat. You can hardly eat any way that pleases them. But at last breakfast was over and Amanzo got to the woodshed. There was a little calf yoke. Father had made it of red cedar, and so so it was strong and yet light. it was Amanzo's very own, and Father said, "Yes, son, you are old enough now to to break the calves." Amanzo did not go to school that day; he did not have to go to school when there were more important things to do. He carried the little yoke to the barn, and Father went with him. Amanzo thought that if He handled the calves perfectly. Perhaps father might let him help with the colts next year. Star and bright were in their warm stall in the south barn. Their little red sides were sleek and silky from all the currying Almanzo had given them. They crowded against him when he went into the stall, and they licked at him with their wet, rough tongues. They thought he had brought them carrots. They did not know that he was going to teach them how to be- uh, behave like big oxen. Father showed him how to fit the yoke carefully to their soft necks. He must scrape its inside curves with a bit of broken glass till the yoke fit perfectly and the wood was soaky smooth. Then Almanzo let down the bars of the stall and the wandering calves followed him into the dizzying, cold, snowy barnyard. Father held up one end of the yoke while Almanzo laid the other on Bright's neck. Then Almanzo lifted up the bow right under uh, Bright's throat and pushed its ends through the holes made for them in the yoke. He slipped a wooden bow pin through one end of the bow above the yoke and it held the bow in place. Bright kept twisting his head, trying to see this strange thing on his neck, but Almanzo had made him so gentle that he stood quietly, and Almanzo gave him a piece of carrot. Star heard him crunching it and came to get his share. Father pushed him around beside Bright, under the other end of the yoke, and Almanzo pushed the other bow up under his throat and fastened it with its bow-pin. There! Already he had his little yoke of oxen. Then father tried, tied a rope around star's nubs of horns, and Almanzo took the rope. He stood in front of the calves and shouted, Get up! And star's neck stretched out longer and longer and longer. Almanzo pulled till finally star stepped forward. Bright snorted and pulled back. The yoke twisted Star's head around and stopped him, and the two calves stood wonder, wondering what it was all about. Father helped Almanzo push them till they stood properly side by side again. Then he said, Well, son, I'll leave you to figure it out. And he went into the barn. Then Almanzo knew that he was really old enough to do important things all by himself. He stood in the snow and looked at the calves, and they stared innocently at him. He wondered how to teach, him, teach them what means meant. There wasn't any way to tell them. He must find some way to tell them. When I say, get up, you must walk straight ahead. Alonzo thought a while. Then he left the calves and went to the cow's feed box and filled his Pockets with carrots. He came back and stood as far in front of the calves as he could, holding the rope in his left hand, and he put in his right his right hand into his pocket of his barn jumper. Then he shouted, "Get up!" and he showed Star and Bright the carrot in his hand. They came eagerly. "Whoa!" Almanzo shouted when they reached him, and they stopped for the carrot. He gave them each a piece, and when they had eaten it, he backed away again and put his hands in his pocket and shouted, Get up! It was astonishing how quickly they learned that get up meant to start forward, and woe meant stop. They were behaving as well as grown-up oxen when father came to the barn door and said, That's enough, son. Almanzo didn't think it was enough, but of course he would not contradict his father. Calves will get sullen and stop minding you if you work them for too long at first, father said. Beside, it's dinner time. Amanzo could hardly believe it. The whole morning had gone in a minute. He took out the bow and let the bows down and lifted the yoke off the calf's necks. He put Star and Bright in their warm stall. Then father showed him how to wipe the Bows and the yoke with the wisp of clean hay, and hang them on their pegs. He must clean them and keep them dry, or the calves would have sore necks. In the horse barn he stopped just a minute to look at the colts. He liked star and bright, but calves were clumsy and awkward compared with the slender, fine, quick colts. Their nostrils fluttered when they breathed, and their ears moved swiftly as birds. They tossed their heads with flutter of manes, and and daintily pawned with their slender legs and little hoofs, and their eyes were full of spirit. "'I'd like to help break a colt,' Almanzo ventured to say. "'It's a man's job, son,' father said. "'One little mistake and you'll ruin a fine colt,' Almanzo didn't say any more. He went soberly into the house. It was strange, eating alone with father and mother. They ate at their table in the kitchen." "'because there was no company today. "'The kitchen was bright with the glitter of snow outside. "'The floor and the tables were scrubbed bone-white with lye and sand. "'The tin saucepans glittered silver, "'and the copper pots gleamed gold on the wall, "'and the tea-kettle hummed. "'The geraniums in the window sill were redder than mother's red dress. Almanzo was very hungry, and he ate in silence.' Busy filling the big emptiness inside of him while father and mother talked. When they'd finished eating, mother jumped up and began putting the dishes into the dishpan. You fill the wood box, Almanzo, she said, and then when there's and then there's other things you can do. Almanzo opened the woodshed door by the stove, and there, right before him was a new hand sled. He could hardly believe it was for him the calf yoke was his birthday present and he asked who's the sled for father is it isn't it for me mother laughed and father twinkled his eyes and asked do you want to know do you know any other nine-year-olds that want it it was a beautiful sled father had made it of hickory and it was long and swift looking and the hickory runners had been soaked and bent long, clean curves, and seemed ready to fly. Almanzo stroked the shiny, smooth wood; it was polished so perfectly that he could feel even the tops he couldn't feel even the tops of the wood pegs that held it together. There was a bar between the runners for his feet. Get along with you, mother said, laughing. Take that sled outdoors where it belongs. The cold stood steady at forty below zero, but the sun was shining all afternoon. Almanzo played with his sled. Of course, it would not slide in the soft, deep snow, but on the road, the bobsledder's runners had made two sleek, hard tracks. At the top of the hill, Almanzo started the sled and flung himself on it, and away he went. Only the track was curving and narrow, so sooner or later he spilled into drifts. End over end went flying, sled, and headlong went almanzo. But he floundered out and climbed up the hill again. Several times he went into the house for apples and donuts and cookies. Downstairs was still warm and empty. Upstairs there was a thud-thud. Of mother's loom and the clickery clack of the flying shuttle. Almanzo opened the woodshed and heard uh, the slithery soft sound of a shaving knife and the flapping of a turned shingle. He climbed the stairs to father's attic workroom. His snowy mittens hung by their string around his neck. In his right hand he held a doughnut, in his left hand two cookies. He took a bite of the donut and then a bite of the cookie. Her father sat astraddle on the end of the shaving bench by the window. The bench slanted upwards towards him, and at the top of the slant, two pegs stood up, and at his right was a pile of rough shingles, which he had split from, uh, with his axe from short lengths of oak logs. He picked up a shingle and laid its end at the pegs and then drew the shaving knife up its side. One stroke smoothed it; another stroke shaved the upper end thinner, and then the then the lower end. Father flipped the shingle over, and two strokes on that side, and it was done. Father laid it on a pile of finished single shingles, and then set another rough one against the pegs. His hands moved smoothly and quickly; they did not stop even when he looked up and twinkled at Alonzo. "'Be you having a good time, son?' he asked. "'Father, can I do that?' said Almanzo. Father slid back on the bench to make room in front of him, and Almanzo straddled, straddled it and crammed the rest of his doughnut into his mouth. He took the handles of the long knife in his hands and shaved carefully up the shingle. It wasn't as easy as it looked, so father put his big hands over Almanzo's, and together they shaved the shingle smooth.' Then Almanzo turned it over, and they shaved the other side. That was all he wanted to do. He got off the bench and went in to see Mother. Her hands were flying, and her right foot was tapping the treadle of the loom. Back and forth the shuttle flew from r- r- her right hand to her left, and back again. Between the the even threads of, of warp and swiftly the threads of warp crisis criss-crossed each other um, catching fast the thread that the shuttle left behind it thud thud said the treadle clickety-clack said the shuttle Thump, said the handbar and back flew the shuttle mother's workroom was large and bright and the warm of the heating sto- stove's chimney mother's little rocking chair was by one window and beside it a basket of carpet rags, torn for sewing. In the corner stood the idle spinning wheel. All along the wall were shelves of hanks and reds and blues and yellow yarn, which mother had dyed last summer. Both the cloth on the loom but the cloth on the loom was sheep's grey, and mother was wearing was weaving undyed wool from a white sheep "'and wool from a black sheep, twisted together. "'What's that for?' said Almanzo. "'Don't don't point, Almanzo,' said Mother. "'That's not good Mather's. "'She spoke loudly above the noise of the loom. "'Who is it for?' asked Almanzo, not pointing this time. "'Royal. It's his academy suit,' said Mother.' Royal was going to the academy in Malone next winter, and Mother was weaving the cloth for his new suit. So everything was snug and comfortable in the house, and Amanza went downstairs and took two more donuts from the donut jar, and then he played outdoors again with his sled. Too soon the shadow slanted down the eastward slopes, and he put, had to put his sled away and help water the stock, for it was chore time. The well the well was quite long a long way from the barns a little house stood over the pump and the water ran down a trough through the wall into a big water trough outside the troughs were covered with ice and the pump handle was so cold that it burned like fire if you touched it with a bare finger the boys sometimes dared each other uh, ter- dared the other boys to lick a pump handle in the cold weather Almanzo knew better than to take the dare "'Your tongue would freeze to the iron, "'and you must either starve to death "'or pull away and leave part of your tongue there.' "'Humanzo stood in the icy pump-house, "'and he pumped with all his might "'while father led the horses to the trough outside. First, father led out the teams "'with their young colts following their mothers. "'Then he led out the older colts one one at a time. "'They were all not yet well-broken,' and they pranced and jumped and jerked at the halter rope because of the cold. But father hung on and did not let them get away. All the time Almanzo was pumping as fast as he could. The water gushed from the pump with chilly sound, and the horses thrust their shivering noses into it and drank it up quickly. Then father took the pump handle. He pumped the big trough full and went to the barn and turned out all the cattle. The cattle did not have to be led to water. they came eagerly to the trough and drank it while Amanzo pumped. Then he hurried back to the warm barn and each went to its own place. Each cow turned into her own stall and put her head between her own stanchions. They never made a mistake, whether this was because they were more they had more sense than horses or because they had So little sense that they did everything by habit. Father did not know. Now Almanzo took the pitchfork and began to clean the stalls while father measured oats and peas into the feed boxes. Royal came from school and they finished the chores together as usual. Almanzo's birthday was over. He thought he must go to school the next day. But that night father said it was time to cut ice. Almanzo would stay home to help and so could Royal. Hey, the next chapter is called Filling the Ice House. Good night, boys. I love you.